0: Hey there, welcome. I'm Stephen Holder, here with Zach Kiefer. And this is, ladies and gentlemen, the highly anticipated first episode of 1% Better. It's your new Colts podcast, At The Athletic, where Zach and I now work. And Zach, man, uh, we have some amazing timing. Quite a debut. Um, <laughs> it was
1: real. It was real this weekend. Um And I just keep replaying it in my mind and is as vulnerable as probably we've ever seen Andrew Luck and there were reasons for that because he's stepping away from football at the age of 29.
0: Yeah I I would say this uh, we have both covered uh, events that run the gamut in our careers and we've seen Andrew Luck at his we've seen him in different settings in different environments in different um, post-game situations right wins losses big wins big losses uh, neither of us have ever seen him like we saw him Saturday night when Andrew Luck announced to the world the Colts Pro Bowl quarterback, four-time Pro Bowl quarterback, announced he is stepping away from football and has decided to retire at the age of 29. Stunning, shocking, every adjective you can imagine applies here, and I, I was flabbergasted. There have been very few st- stories in my life that have ever had me at a loss, but this was one, and to bring home the point, uh, let's sort of set up this with uh, some audio of Andrew Luck let's let you listen into to what he had to say hello this certainly isn't how I uh envision this or
2: plan this uh but, but I am going to retire uh this is not an easy decision uh honestly it's the hardest decision of my life uh. but it is the right decision for me uh for the last Four years or so i've been in this cycle of injury pain rehab injury injury pain rehab uh, and it's been unceasing and relenting unrelenting both in season both in and off season uh, and I've felt stuck in it and the only way I see out uh, is is to to no longer play football uh it's It's taken my joy of this game away uh And uh, this, sorry, I've been stuck in this process. I haven't been able to live the life I want to live, taking the joy out of this game. And after 2016, where I played in pain and was unable to regularly practice, I made a vow to myself that I would not go down that path again i find myself in a similar situation and the only way forward for me is to remove myself from football in this cycle that i've been in uh come come to the proverbial fork in the road uh and and I, i made a vow to myself that if i ever did again i would choose choose me in a sense it's very difficult i love this team i love my teammates the folks in our building The fans, the game of football, and and as part of this team, uh, as a a member of this team, and because of how I feel, I know that I am unable to pour my heart and soul into this position, uh, which would not only sell myself short, but the team in the end as well. Uh, And it's sad, but I also have a lot of clarity in this. Uh, It's been a difficult process. Uh, but my wife, my family, my friends, Mr. Ballard, Mr. Ursay, the Ursay family, and Frank Reich have been incredibly helpful, supportive, uh, and I'm so grateful for them.
0: Zach, uh, tell us, you're sitting there six feet away from Andrew Luck, uh, just down the aisle from me. What are you thinking?
1: Yeah, so I saw, I saw a dude that had been drowning for four years. And no one knows, and this is an important point, and people need to know this out there, nobody knows what this guy has been through. And I don't know what he has been through, and you don't know what he's been through. The personal, private hell that he has been in, I think we started to see a glimpse of that on Saturday. And the calf, it just just smacked him in the face and said, look, you're going to be dealing with this, and you're going to be going through the same thing this season. The maintenance, the pain, the rehab, and... And he just saw that and he said, Look, I've been through this before. This is the life I've lived for four years. I hate it. I can't I can't give myself to this team the way I know I need to. And it's it's crazy to say this, but he he only sees one way out. And he's twenty nine years old and he's about to enter the prime of his career. And he spent half of his career in the training room and he doesn't want to continue doing that. And it's it's really the one word I just come up with. And I've talked to a lot of people inside the building around the league and it's just sad. It's sad that the league is losing such a great talent at this spot.
0: I agree. And, you know, I, I think, you know, we talk about how did this happen? How did we get here? Why is this happening? Uh, it, it wasn't any one singular event, right? It was... As you said, it was an accumulation. It was four years of just uh, beatings and uh, the cycle that he talked about. And you know what What sort of flashed back to my mind this weekend was, um, you know, we talked about just now, you just laid out, you know, your emotions watching him yeah. and what you saw of him. But you know what? what actually popped into my head the last 36 hours or so was... Go back to 2015. I remember we were both there in the interview room in Nashville, Tennessee. Yeah, Nissan Stadium. This is a good point. Yeah, and the Colts had just pulled off a dramatic win. Unbelievable! Came back from two touchdowns down, and I think the last ten minutes of the game. Uh, I remember Philip Dorsett. It's the it's the biggest contribution he ever made here. <laughs> Their 2015 right. first round pick. He catches right. The, the, the touchdown that sets up the victory in that game, just a, a thrilling win, a joyous locker room. They were 0-2, the season going down the tubes, and Andrew Luck marches them down the field like he had done so many times. They win the game. But what we didn't know then was what came into focus later. It was Andrew Luck took several hits in that game that really started this cascade of events. And, Again, going back to what I said, that image that sticks in my head is in the post-game interview room. I'm standing right there, and I'm looking at Andrew Luck, and he he can't wait to get away from the microphone. He can't wait to go to that locker room and just, I don't know, maybe just lay down and just curl was, up in his
1: locker. He was beat
0: to hell. And that's when the shoulder started, uh, we believe. Potentially, that's where maybe he injured his ribs. We're not sure, but it's quite possible. It was and we the should most clarify You've we
1: we see football players beat up every sunday this is sure. not abnormal right this was different and i think you've covered this league long enough and i've covered it long enough to know when someone's injured versus when someone's sore from a football game and this was completely different and, and do you remember carolina later in the season yes i stood there in that monday night game it's probably 1 in the morning and he couldn't lift his shoulder pads off his off his body and that's really like you said that's where the dominoes started And there was a temporary glimpse of what he could do last season when he came back and he played and he was pain free for the most part. But it all, and I wrote about this yesterday, it all continued and it all led to this.
0: And I think an important, another important point to make is, I I think people see athletes as these gladiators and uh, they are sort of you know, larger than life, right? I mean, they're your heroes, right? I mean, growing up, I looked at, you know, I looked up to these guys, right? And you you always, you never saw them in a vulnerable way. And so Andrew Luck, I think, felt some pressure in that regard because, number one, you know, you're supposed to live up to that, right? That's what you're supposed to do. And then the second thing is he's a very private person and doesn't want you to know his emotions and doesn't show his emotions. Uh, But certainly we know, that he has he's become more vulnerable through this experience because we've started not to see those emotions. But but at the start of this sort of four year cycle, he didn't do that. And so the fact that we saw those emotions and we saw that pain, that's very notable because that is not something we routinely saw from Andrew He
1: didn't want us to see that and, and, and you've talked to players and I've talked to players, guys that are both you know, gone from the colds or still here. It, 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 look, this guy's in the training room every day, like longer than me, and I was coming back from an ACL tear or something. I mean, this guy, the amount of pain he had to go through is something we'll never truly know because he didn't let anybody in. But um it, it's just a shame that a quarterback like that just got beat to hell the first five or six years of his career and never really could climb from that abyss. I mean it just stayed in him and He talked about, like you were just talking about, the shame. He felt a shame, that's his word, in not being able to be out there in 2017. Um, You know, through no fault of his own, his his throwing shoulder was just shredded. And then another word he used was scar. I mean, these were were emotional scars that stayed with him. And, you know, talking to people about him the last couple days and the last couple weeks before this retirement thing came in, He was very much dealing with emotional challenges about this injury. And I don't think it's necessarily so much the calf and the ankle. I I think it's just the the continuation. And, And these are the words he used Saturday night, unceasing and unrelenting. It wasn't the calf. It was the fact that it was another body part. It was more pain. And he saw this cycle continuing September, October, November, December. And he just saw the hell that was waiting him. I mean, really. I mean, he's just been living in this for four years. And the only way he saw out was just to, to walk away from the game. But um, he's 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 never been one to reveal how much pain he was in. I thought about that
0: a lot this weekend. We'll probably never know how bad it was with him. Yeah, and you know what's interesting is we talked about Angel Luck being different, and I I have no idea how many athletes I've covered, you know, in twenty plus years. But I mean, it are, probably runs into the thousands, right? I mean, some of them I don't even remember. Let's be honest, right? Um, how yeah. many players do we cover in a given season, right? At the, a fifty-three man roster, you're probably churned through seventy-five players per year. So you know, multiply that over twenty-two years or something. I have no idea how many there are. So my, I say that to say this. Of all of those players and all the sports that I've covered, and same applies to you, I'm sure, at least on some level, Andrew Luck is probably the most unique guy I've ever covered. It's it's just it's unbelievable. He is just totally, totally different. And so I think that is an important aspect here because I've talked to a couple players, and we talked about this on television last night, Zach, and one of the things they have said to me, former players, I should say, who played with Andrew Luck, one of the things they have said, and i totally understand where they're coming from is andrew luck didn't need football and that's not to say oh he didn't need the money or does, didn't care about football or none of that i mean look he appreciates everything football's ever done for him and he loves football but he doesn't need football there's two different things there and you know it's it's one of those this it's one of those situations where i don't know that andrew luck grew up dreaming and fantasizing about being an nfl quarterback he was just no, really good at football. He was he really good at football. It happened. It just happened. And before he knew it, he's he's a Pro Bowl quarterback, right? I mean, God gave him a gift, and it just happened. And I really believe that. I really do believe that. What's your take on that?
1: Yeah, I, I completely agree. And, and and I always go back to that Matt Hasselbeck quote, and I talked to him in the locker room a couple of years ago. And, Stephen, you know Matt Hasselbeck. It was probably as close to a teammate as Andrew had during his time year. And he said, look, you know, a lot of guys – love being in the NFL. Not a lot of guys truly love football. There's a difference. Andrew Luck loves football, period. Andrew never loved the celebrity that came with being a star quarterback. You know, Hasselbeck told me he's not a guy you're going to see on the sidelines of a high school game on Friday night. It just wasn't his world. It wasn't his life. That doesn't mean he didn't pour himself into this team and the city and his position. He absolutely did that. You cannot succeed at this position without doing that. But it wasn't a dominant thing in his life to where he couldn't live without it. And I think that'll ease his transition as he moves away from this game because, you know, like you said, growing up, I don't think he dreamed it was all or nothing, NFL or bust. I think he really enjoyed playing. And he broke this down Saturday night. He said, look, when I, you know, in the darkness of 2017, I had to decide if I wanted to come back. And what brought him back? He likes throwing the football to his friends. I mean, really, it was that simple to him. It was something he enjoyed doing. He never needed the NFL. You know, he walked away from all that money left on his contract. I guarantee you that was not a factor in this at all for him. He was never driven by the money. He was uncomfortable talking about his contract. Um, That was never a factor. And I think as he moves into the second phase of his life, you know, the thing I think about is he's going to be much more well suited to handle that because football was never everything to him. He was much, much, much more worldly than a lot of guys we see and talk to in that locker room
0: yeah so now i wonder you know we can talk about what's next for Andrew luck but the truth is hell none of us know but <laughs> <laughs> I, I bet he's got options but but i i, I do wonder uh you know do, do you think he's done let's let's talk about that uh do you think he's done i i will give you my opinion i think there's a very minimal chance of andrew luck uh sort of Doing an about face here, I I think that because of what you just said, right? Football is not his identity. I think he will easily, easily, easily find something to fill his time and sort of give him satisfaction in life. Uh, What are your thoughts?
1: And I agree with you, but I don't think I don't think we can rule it out. No, No, because. If you remove the one constant that's, that's been in his way for four years, and I realize that's a big jump to make, right? Like, this guy's got to be pain-free, and that's going to take a while. Um, but let's say, you know, by November of this year, he's sitting on the couch, and he's watching football, and he's like, God, I really miss throwing to Jack Doyle. I really miss throwing to T.Y. Hilton. My ankle feels fine. The thought will cross his mind. I don't know if he comes yeah. back. I know Jim Merce brought up Tiger Woods coming back from all his injuries. He brought up Michael Jordan, who came back twice. This is not Tiger Woods, and this is not Michael Jordan. There is huge differences in a ton of ways between Andrew Luck and those guys. Um, I think Andrew Luck will be fulfilled off the field, and I don't think um, he's going to be sitting around in a couple years saying, I don't have an identity. I don't know who I am. I need to go back and play football and get every last snap out of this body. That's just not how he's wired. But based on everything we've seen over the last 15, 20 years in sports, you can never rule these things out. Just you just can't.
0: Yeah, it would be very very interesting. Maybe he pulls a Roger Clemens. I don't know, but uh, <laughs> maybe he'll come or, back in or week six. <laughs> hey,
1: tell me if you agree with this. This is more likely. We don't hear from him for a while. I don't oh, think. Totally. I don't think you're going to see him on the sideline of games. I don't think you're going to see him visiting practice. I don't think you're going to see him. You know, Sports Center visiting with Sage Steele or anything like that, with these long, drawn-out interviews. This guy, I think, is going to disappear. They're going to have a baby in a couple months, I think. Yeah. Um, he'll be busy with that. and I just, I just think he's going to fall off the grid. He likes to do that.
0: Yeah. And, you know, I remember talking to Andrew Luck uh, a while ago, a couple of years ago, and I, we, this was one of those non-interview settings. You know, we don't get that many opportunities. Well, okay, so let's give people an understanding of this. So as much as we see these guys every day and talk to them a lot, uh, the life of an NFL quarterback is very regimented, right? Especially one like Andrew Luck. So they're in and they're out. When it's time for for them to come in the locker room and talk to us, they're in and they're out, right? And right. So a like you wrote that opt- story last year. Like even his yeah. teammates didn't know he was sometimes. Right, because he's hunkered down doing something, working, watching film, doing what he does, right? And But that being said, I, I think in years past he was a little he, he was around a little more, so we got a little more interaction with him, I think, in previous years, right? So right. I remember one of those conversations, and uh, I don't know how it came up, and I asked him, was just me, he and I talking, and I said something like, uh, so at the time, the team's off day was Tuesdays of every week. And I said, I said so do you come in here on Tuesdays, or what's your deal? He's like, eh, you know what, uh, yeah, sometimes, but he says, you know what, man, I take my days off. You know, and it was like – You think Peyton took days off? Right. He, he was fine saying – you know what it was? It wasn't a Tuesday. I take that back. It wasn't a Tuesday. It was like a – it might have been a, a long weekend or, or bye week or something. And, uh, you know, maybe a Thursday night game. It was one of those situations where they had a free free Saturday, you know, free Saturday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday sort of deal. And I said, so I said, you've been off since Thursday? What's up? He's like, oh, like yeah, I, I take my days off, man. He's like, you know, you got to do that. You got to take your days off, and and it was he was able to sort of put that differentiation or that distance between the job and and his life, right? I mean, he loves football, but it's you know it is work. Let's be honest in some level, but I I do believe that the last few years, this injuries made that harder. And oh, as it, he said, it absolutely has. Yeah, he said that in the press conference that you know. In season, out of season, the injuries dominated everything. Right? I mean, he likes to to get away in the off season and travel and live life, and and that was that's the beauty of football for someone like Andrew Luck, who is someone who has these varied interests. You're able to 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 really focus on the job in season, and then out of season, it's a it's great, right? You've got this ability to see the world, to do different things, to take a food vacation. For all I know, I mean, he never would tell us where he went, right? But never. <laughs> He, <laughs> Clyde
1: Christensen, his old position coach, said he wouldn't even tell him. And he said he couldn't even pronounce half the countries he would visit because they were so
0: remote. <laughs> he's so he's different. But but I do think that that conversation now, all these conversations with Andrew Luck, they're now sort of flashing back to us. And I just remember him, you know, taking great pride and saying, dude, I take my days off. And it wasn't like it wasn't in sort of a fashion like, uh, hey, they don't pay me to be here. It was more like, no, no, it was sort of a mind you know, sort of a, a life-mind-work-balance type of situation. Yeah, I mean, and, take and away.
1: football didn't define him. And you've said this, and you've written this, and I've written this, and it, it never consumed him. Um, and I think, you know, the, the, the one of the quotes that jumped out to me Saturday was that joy is gone. You know, the pain yeah. robbed him of that joy. And Andrew Luck played with a lot of joy. And talking to people, you know, around the league yesterday, it's like, this sucks for football. It sucks for football because this guy was fun to watch. I really enjoyed, you know, taking my reporter hat off for just a minute and being real. Man, it was fun to show up to games and watch this guy work. He was a singular talent. He would make plays out of nothing. Sometimes um, it was just fun to watch that. Um, and and then you hear the human side of it on Saturday, and I think this is important to note. You know, there were fans booing him as he left the field. That's not. How anyone envisioned this guy's career ending in Indianapolis, but this is where we're at, and I think that's a knee jerk knee jerk reaction. But I think number one, to hit, you know, to these fans that were angry, this guy wasn't a human in that moment. He was he was a guy that made them happy on Sundays, and he was taking that away from them, and they were furious. But I think when you watch Saturday night's press conference, as vulnerable as we as we've ever seen him, and probably as vulnerable as you'll see most athletes. I mean, let's be honest. I think the national reaction was this was, a, this was a really admirable step for Andrew Luck to take, to just literally go up there, talk to us for 25 minutes, and just pour his heart and soul out into why he was walking away from the game he loved at, at, at 29 years old. And I think that's when people saw the human side. You saw how much pain he was in. And, and look, I mean, the bottom line is this guy deserves to have a life. He deserves to be able to live without the constant pain that he's been in for four years, um, and it just sucks because he doesn't get to play the game he really loves to play, and we don't get to watch that, and that sucks too. It sucks for, it sucks for the city of Indianapolis, and, and it sucks for the NFL, and, and it, it's a really, it's a really big blow for this franchise, and that's not, that's not putting it. <laughs> I mean, it, that's understating it times a million.
0: Yeah. So let's talk about. Let's change gears. Really hard here make like a really hard turn here and let, let's talk about this now where are they okay <laughs> because they're at the end of the day shocked. yeah at they're the end shell of the day, shocked they've got a game in two weeks that freaking counts and they've got a they've got a focus and they've got to find a way to go out there and compete because they still have spent a lot of resources building this team in this roster and they can't sit here and let that go down the drain they've got to try to put something on the field this year that can compete and so and you know who's ready to go action? you know who's ready to go in that regard who's that Chris Ballard I agree
1: Chris yeah. Ballard and he made a really good point on Saturday night and you know Chris Ballard and I've talked to him and we've really had an eventful couple years covering this team and he made a really good point he said look no by the way died. Chris
0: Ballard owes us a drink that he never <laughs> bought so Man, quick, he, quick might, he, might need,
1: he, he might he might need 10 drinks now yeah quick aside
0: after 2017, Chris Ballard told all the beat writers after the Andrew Luck saga, and it really was a saga. He says, I'm going to take all you guys out for drinks when he gets back on the field. He did not fulfill that promise, and I'm going to rip him for it. But anyway, he, sorry. It was planned. I think he came <laughs> know. out with a pretty yeah, nasty we, he, cold. He got sick, yeah.
1: <laughs> but, um, but no, I mean, it, it, look, this isn't 2017. This isn't even close to that. Jacoby Brissett's been here. He's run the offense all spring. He's been working with Tom House. The team is better. And and this is a really important point Chris Ballard made on Saturday night. Look, we have been and we have stared down obstacles before. Much bigger than this. And I know this is the biggest on field. But Edwin Jackson lost his life. And it was Mm. tragic. And his family is still dealing with that. And and this team and some players on this team are still dealing with that. So let's not lose that complete perspective, right? That was the worst thing that's happened to this team in the last five years. Josh McDaniels U-turn. I mean, you were there. You covered it. I covered it. It was unbelievable. It was absurd. Um, Unprecedented. The, the plane was fueled up. They were headed to Foxborough, and then he said, nah, I'm good. I'm going to stay here. They dealt with that, and I think the next day, I think that press conference that Chris Ballard made, everyone always talks about the rivalry is back on. Watch the first part of the press conference. That was Chris Ballard's moment. I think that's the, that's the very moment he won over this fan base um and his leadership in this building and i've talked to a lot of people inside it steadied this team through a really really dark time because remember edwin jackson and the josh mcdaniels thing happened two days apart those could have been some really dark times for this team what did they do in the spring they went out and they drafted darius leonard they drafted quentin nelson when andrew shoulder fixed they had a you know they really brought this team and this city together and frank reich deserves a lot of credit but so does Chris Ballard. This is another curveball they've been thrown—the biggest one of all in terms of on-field talent. You don't replace Andrew Luck, but I think Chris Ballard. I think in Frank Reich, this this could be their time to really show how good they are. If you know what I mean.
0: Oh, absolutely. I, I totally agree. I think this is—it's an opportunity. I mean, I know that's sort of a eternal optimist way of, of yeah, doing this, maybe it's a cold-blooded game, but yeah. Yeah, but but that's what else can you do, right? I mean that's the reality things happen and I will tell you this you just basically said this they have faced obstacle after obstacle and they have handled them I think with with such an impressive response each time right the Edwin Jackson situation I mean I still get sort of emotional thinking about that because I'm a human being right and and you talk about taking your reporter hat off I mean that's that was the ultimate situation and, where we had to take you talked to the, you talked
1: to the family i've talked to the family oh, like that's crushing that's real man that's that's real life
0: it's crushing and so the way there there are pivotal moments you know for everybody in every walk of life whether it's what i do or whether it's a president or it's a a general manager or a coach an athlete i mean they there are going to be circumstances where you have to stand up and show leadership and and say I will be there for you and we will get through this. And that moment uh, in that Josh McDaniels press conference, I think Chris Ballard demonstrated that. And he didn't just, but but it's, it's more than just words. Because words don't mean a damn thing, unless you back right. them up. They did, they backed them right. up with action. And they said, you know what? Three days later, they're like, all right, we got our guy and it's Frank Reich. And here's why he's the right guy. And you know what, he, he was the right guy. And then yeah. they start one in five, and you and I are sitting in the first row of the press conference with Frank Reich, like, dude, what are you doing? What are you gonna do? Are you mad? What's going on? And no, he stiff upper stiff upper lip, stood there, said the same thing. One percent better, one day at a time. <laughs> Keep pushing.
1: You know, I'm. The minute I knew Frank Reich was for real, it was in New England, and they had lost that game, and they had, I think, mm. I don't know, f- fifty five guys hurt that night or something. They barely had a, <laughs> a, enough guys healthy to play. They played pretty well. I'll give them credit. They hung in there. Luck went crazy in the third quarter. Mm-hmm. So they lose. I think they're 1-4 at that point. The Jets game made them 1-5. But irregardless, you know, he's got a 1-4 football team, and it's late that night, and, and, and I caught Frank right out of the locker room, and we were just talking. And, and Frank is not a guy that's that wears his emotions on his sleeve. I mean, he's just steady every single day. And he's like, look, Zach, he's like, look, it's we're not a bad football team. We're going to be fine. We just got to fix some things. And he was unwavering in that belief. And a lot of coaches will say that. But you can tell. You've covered this league long enough to know that, look, you can tell when a coach has got conviction. And I looked at Frank and I could just tell that maybe this team doesn't go to the playoffs this year. Maybe they don't win 10 games. But he's going to get this right. And he believed that. And I could tell that he was the right guy for this job. And and look at what they did. I mean, they ripped off nine wins in 10 weeks to, to make the playoffs. They won a playoff game on the road and the story was written, but that night, you kind of saw in Frank Reich what this guy was made of, and I think we're going to see more of that this season. I think Colts fans out there have to have a lot of faith in the two guys running this show, that being Chris Ballard and Frank Reich. They have dealt with obstacles before. This is a huge one, but who else would you want in charge right now?
0: Yeah, and this leads me to, you know, sort of a, a promo here if you will you know for my latest story i wrote i think i encourage you to read it not because I, it's so well written but more because uh, i made a point that's very relevant to what zach is talking about and uh, it goes back to before frank reich even got the job he's sitting in a room being interviewed basically going through his interview chris ballard jim Mersey, and they're going round and round how are we going to build this team what's your idea this is of a culture? huge this is a great anecdote yeah. yeah what what do you think about culture Uh, let's talk about offense, defense, all the things that you would expect. They get done. Hours in the room. Hours. And this is at a point now. Yeah, it's a four-hour interview. Yes. This this is at at a time, mind you, where Andrew Luck had not played in an entire calendar year. He had not played football. The shoulder difficulties and setback after setback uh, had him miss the entire 2017 season. He went to the freaking Netherlands to get treatment. (laughs)
1: Only Andrew Luck.
0: Only Andrew Luck does that. I mean, one day we'll get the full story of that, but that doesn't even matter. The point is, that's where he was at, okay? And he was fighting his way back from that. And Frank Reich never asked, hey, how's the quarterback doing? In four hours. And so Chris Ballard had to tell him afterward, hey, uh, by the way, let me fill you in on what's going on with Andrew Luck. And he told him whatever the latest update was. But he made that point. We know that story. Because Chris Ballard revealed that to us after the introductory press conference with Frank Reich. And he offered that story up because he was so damn impressed by it that he said, you know, this guy is so like-minded to me because Chris Ballard, as if you've listened to him at all, you know he has said repeatedly, it's never about one guy. It's never about one guy. It's about the team. And that, to him, Frank Reich's uh, just... Lack of concern about the quarterback specifically and more about the team that demonstrated to him that this guy is exactly what we want. And so, hey, they're gonna have to live that more than ever right now because, yeah, it isn't but about Troy one Price,
1: guy, he's gone. He's lived it, Nick Foles. And I know it's a recent and it's an easy example. Mm-hmm. He won a Super Bowl with Nick Foles, they dropped 41 points on Bill Belichick's defense. It's amazing. I mean, look at what Jared Goff and Sean McVay did against the, the Patriots in the Super Bowl last year. Nothing. Right. Um, and, and you go back to that press conference and and I remember thinking, how's, how's Frank going to handle these questions? You remember Pat McAfee's question. You know, <laughs> Do you hate Josh McDaniels? Do you love Josh McDaniels? How are your emotions regarding that? And he said, look, the backup role has suited me well. And then they asked him about Andrew Luck and how can you win without this talent and how can you – move on with this uncertainty, and he said, look, I was just on a team that won a Super Bowl with a backup. Mic drop, for one, and two, right. this is how he thinks, though. Um, and you could even tell it last year. It wasn't always about Andrew, and, and Frank sort of has this easygoing, quiet confidence that permeated throughout his team and into that locker room, and, and into his was coaching staff. But like you said, this is going to be, the, the, the without a doubt, the biggest – challenge of his coaching career
0: bar none yeah one one last point on Frank Reich I'll make and then we can turn to another subject here but um I I, one of my favorite stories from last season was one that I did where I talked to players about Frank Reich's leadership style and one of the things that he did was he got this team to to buy into his message and and to follow him sort of unequivocally, which is what you want as a coach. But what I found so interesting about it was he did it without ever really doing any of the, the stereotypical things we expect of football coaches, right? He doesn't raise his voice. He, he certainly right. doesn't curse, the, fir- the, the former Presbyterian minister. Uh, he He's always even-keeled. And and that was so interesting to me. And players were like, I, I went around and I asked him, I asked T.Y. Hilton, I was like, is he, you ever heard him curse? And he said, you know what? No, I don't know how he does it. It's what he said, right? And and so, look, anyone that has watched Hard Knocks knows, like, right? I mean, that just kind of comes with the territory, right? You're gonna say some things when you're a football coach, and and certainly, not using profanity does not a good football coach make. Okay, let's be I honest. Who comes <laughs> but, to mind?
1: Tony Dungy got away with it. That was how he did exactly, exactly. it exactly, and and it worked, right?
0: He's but he's got, but he still manages. Okay, on the flip side, he still manages to instill this unbelievable confidence in his team and gets them to lay it on the line for him without doing it in a way that you might typically expect. And I think that is just such an amazing talent that he has. It doesn't mean they're going to win 12 games. What I'm saying, though, is he has something there that that not every coach has and it's going to serve him well here. So, And I think one guy who potentially can benefit from it to change gears a little bit is Jacoby Brissett. Look, here is... Jacoby Brissett, backup quarterback, arm-in-arm uh, arm with Andrew Luck, supporting him every step of the way, and now he finds himself in the, the middle of this hurricane. Right. <laughs> and, and he's got to step up, and he's got to go fight and lead this team. Uh, what are your thoughts on Jacoby Brissett, and is he ready for this? We're going to find out if he's a top-20 quarterback because Chris Ballard
1: has said that. Frank Reich has said that. They really believe he's that good. Um I'm willing to throw 2017 out the window because Mm -hmm. the offense was abysmal. The line was abysmal. The situation was a nightmare. He was sacked 10 times in one game, for God's sakes. Um, Evaluating Jacoby right now, it was an uneven training camp. It was. I don't know if we can sugarcoat that. He's got a cannon for an arm. That's never been an issue. I thought accuracy has, has long been sort of his issue. He will miss some short five to 10-yard throws that seem pretty easy sometimes, and it just seems like he's a, he struggled with those a little bit. I know that he has been working hard with Tom House this offseason and into this preseason, and believe me, that will help. And, and the focus has been accuracy there. Um, and, and, and trust me, Tom House is a savant when it comes to quarterbacking. He is over my head in terms of the science and the physics and everything that goes into a quarterback throwing a football. You saw what he did with Andrew Luck last year. I think we will see noticeable gains in the accuracy department with Jacoby Brissett this year. And, and and this is what you wrote about yesterday, Stephen, and this is kind of what we'll dig into in the next coming weeks is, is look, Jacoby Brissett has a huge advantage here. The roster's better, but the coaches are better. And, and Frank Reich makes his quarterbacks better. And for all those saying last year that, oh, Frank and, and Nick Sirianni, they got the easiest jobs in the world, they just... They just won because Andrew Luck was out there. Now we're going to find out how good they are, especially Nick Sirianni and Marcus Brady, the quarterback's coach. But they like Jacoby Brissett. The team around him respects him, and there are weapons on this offense. There are weapons in, in not just T.Y. Hilton and Jack Doyle, but Eric Ebron is a mismatched nightmare for a defense. You saw that in the preseason game when the ones were out there. The offensive line is unbelievably better than it was in seventeen. That opens up things for Marlon Mack. Naheem Hines is a mismatched guy coming out of the backfield. You have a big target in Devin Funches. Um, There is a lot of room for Jacoby Brissett to be successful. There's a lot of reasons why you think he can be successful this year. He's got to go out and do it, and we're going to find out what he's made of. Um, But in a lot of ways, I felt like he was set up to fail in 17, and he performed admirably well. I think this year there's a lot of reasons why you can believe he's going to succeed.
0: Yeah, it's it's literally the opposite situation of two thousand seventeen for Jacoby Brissett. It's I mean that guy was be more different.
1: He was plugging in the GPS to the Colts facility on his phone every (laughs) single day until the end of the season that year. I mean, think about how much of a whirlwind it was for him.
0: Yeah, I think the only receiver whose name he knew was T. Y. Hilton. And, And I'm not kidding. I'm not kidding. He didn't even know who was on his team. And they said, All right. Uh Here's the ball. Go get him. <laughs> you know what I mean? I mean, he was like, here.
1: He was traded for Labor Day weekend. He started week two. I mean, yeah. it was like it was like 10 days. It was probably like five practices.
0: Here you go. And Chris Ballard has, has already said on record what we asked him to do wasn't fair. And I, I think Jacoby yeah. would probably agree. But that being said, I, I would say this. He has everything in the world going for him. He is set up to succeed. Uh, the only thing that will prevent him from succeeding is him and and his limitations, whatever they may be. So, that's really what, the way I see it. I mean, look, there are still things to play out. You know, we still have to see. You know, is Devin Funchess what we think he is? You know, can Eric Ebron duplicate last year? All those things, right? But, but that being said, I, I do think what we see on paper is very very good. And if you can't come into this situation, I think and and be a viable uh, quarterback who can can lead this team in some fashion, then that says more about Jacoby Brissett than it does anything else because it's yeah, there. And it's an opportunity. You made a good it point. Up. It's it's the opportunity of his career,
1: and he's a free agent come next spring unless they get a deal done, which I wouldn't rule out. But you made a good point on TV last night, and and, and while Andrew, you know Andrew, removes. You know, he, he gives you a chance to win no matter the circumstances. The, the room for air obviously shrinks a little bit, maybe a lot of it, with him out there. But this defense is better. And we saw them make plays after day after day after day in Westfield. And and we saw this line transform itself last year. Um This team didn't win just because of Andrew Luck in 2018. It didn't win just because of Frank Reich in 2018. This was a team that came together that had stars and Kenny Moore break out and Darius Leonard break out, and I like this defensive line, and I like Justin Houston, and I like Kaboko Toure's flash, and there's there's guys that are going to play good football this year, regardless of if 12's on the field or not. And I think you're going to see that, and I think it's going to be a reflection of how much – depth this team has added over the last couple of years. I mean, I've talked to guys in the front office the last couple of weeks and it's amazing how much different this team is 35 through 53 on this roster. I mean, they were just plain guys, literally just plain guys a couple of years ago. And then now they're they're going to cut some good players on Saturday because they've added so much depth to this roster and it is a team game and I understand the importance of the quarterback position. And I understand how much Andrew Luck meant to this team and this franchise. But this is a much better team than 17. And, and I still think it's one of the better rosters in the NFL. It definitely took a hit on Saturday, though that's for sure.
0: Yeah, so I could say this, too. Uh, you talked about the defense. I think that's an excellent point. Listen, let me tell you something about the defense. Now, last year, the defense won a couple of games for them, or at least a couple. Okay. And, yeah and I mean I don't mean single handedly, but they what I'm saying is they won because of the defense. Now I'll give you an example. Uh go to the Oakland right for the bye games. week. Yes. Now, do they what happens if Darius Leonard doesn't come in and swipe that ball from Doug Martin and take it away and, and basically that that was their walk off home run, basically, because the Raiders are driving. Uh Doug Martin looks like he's breaking into the open field and here comes Darius Leonard swooping in from from nowhere, from his blind side, and strips the ball, takes it away, game over. I mean, just ball game. That's that's a walk off home run as, as close as you get in the NFL, right? And then you've got take the the Washington game in week two. Now, certainly they they did move the ball in that game, but I believe they only scored seventeen points or so. And it was a nineteen to nine win. Nineteen yeah. to nine. There you go. Defense. And so, I mean, Leonard Leonard
1: had like sixty five tackles that day.
0: <laughs> it was it was only nineteen. I mean, <laughs> yeah. which I think was a team record. I can't remember. Certainly a rookie record. And listen, so what I'd say is there are examples. Now, granted, neither of those teams were sensational teams last season. Although in week two, Washington was in a much different place. Their quarterback hadn't shattered his leg yet, right? I mean, yeah. they, they had they were in a much different place at that point, and actually started out I think five and one, four and one. They they looked like a viable playoff team. So. The Colts got them early when they were supposed to be a decent team. And, and they they went in there and they dominated defensively. The Colts dominated that game. And I think that was just the beginning now, okay? That was the beginning. They've now added talent. They now have a full year plus in the scheme. And they have confidence that they didn't have last year. Darius, Re- Darius Leonard was a rookie. They were playing a lot of young guys on defense. Those guys now have a full year of experience. They've added guys like Rocky Asin, who was, I think, one of the absolute standouts of training camp. And he's, yeah. he's going to have some lumps. All right? He's going to take no his doubt. lumps. But that kid absolutely is a player. I have no doubt he's going to be a player. And so my point is, those are games where Andrew Luck really wasn't the reason they won, folks. Okay, not at all. He was not the reason they won those games. He contributed, certainly, to those wins. Now, let's not make any mistake. But is he certainly the foremost reason they won no now what you've got to do though when you don't have an elite quarterback is you got to, there's a few things you got to do certainly your defense has to help you as i said but the defense has to they have to do more they have to get to the quarterback and they got to take the ball away those are going to those got to be the two priorities on defense cuz you got to help your quarterback and then offensively what the quarterback can't do he doesn't have to throw for 300 yards every game but what he can't do is turn the ball over Jacoby to his credit is very good at that. Jacoby doesn't throw a lot of interceptions. He certainly didn't do it in in 2017. He's very careful with the football. That can work both ways. It's a double-edged sword, right? You got to take some chances. You got to be aggressive. Sometimes he's not. Sometimes he 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 sort of eats the football. But certainly in 2017 he did. But I think he's grown a lot since then. And I think his decision-making has, will really grow under Frank Reich. So I, I just but those are the things you got to do. You you got to you got to make the splash plays on defense, help the quarterback out, take the ball away, get to the quarterback. And then you also, on offense, you can't turn it over because your quarterback doesn't have the same magic that you did when number 12 was under center. So right. I still think they have an opportunity here to, to be a very competitive football team. But Jacoby's going to have to do his part. And and I'm excited to see it. I'm happy for him because he's such a delightful guy for us to deal with, I mean, sometimes, sometimes he's kind of snarky with us, but he's a good guy. He gives and <laughs> he takes. He's it. A good kid, yeah, he, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, he's he's a good kid, and I think he he's a, he's a joy to watch. I, I like that. Like Andrew, he has so much fun playing football. Um, I, I think he'll embrace this. and And what do you think about how his teammates view him? What can you tell the listeners about that? Because I think we see. We get a, a front row seat a lot of times, being in the yeah. locker room, and I think yeah, there's a lot you can glean from that.
1: He's not viewed as a backup quarterback. He's really not. I mean, from from the from the angle that I sit, um, and remember last year. Remember this team's one and five, and they had that players only meeting, and they they hmm. aired out their grievances, and they had a lot of guys speak. Who got the ball rolling for that meeting? It was Jacoby Bissette. Um, I don't know a lot of quarterbacks in the league, backup quarterbacks who had the guts to do that. Um, cause you've got to have the respect of that locker room to, to make something like that happen. And he did. And I'm not saying that meeting changed their season. I think it was more like Anthony Costanzo run, returning from a hamstring injury, Marlon Mack returning from a hamstring injury, but it speaks to the importance and the respect and in, in, in the, and in the, and the, the importance that Jacoby Brissett has in that locker room. He has a presence. He's respected. Um, and it, it, he's not your everyday backup, and he's not a backup anymore. He's the starting quarterback of the Indianapolis Colts moving forward. Um, so it's 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 almost like this is going to be a smoother transition than maybe a lot of people think, and it's going to be a smoother transition than a lot of franchises, if they had to deal with a sudden retirement of their starting quarterback, would have to make. You know, you'd see those teams probably panicking and going to sign a bunch of quarterbacks off the street. I'm not saying the the Colts don't do that. They're going to have to sign somebody due to the backup situation. But um, this could be a relatively seamless transition into this backup quarterback spot because Jacoby Bissett has been treated like a starter, has acted like a starter, and has been a starter before.
0: Yeah, I I will say this. I'm buying Jacoby Bissett. I I really am. And When I say that, let me put that in context. I'm not saying playoffs. I'm not saying... uh, 30 touchdown passes. I'm not saying any of those things. I'm saying I think he will give them a chance. He will give them a shot. That's what I'm saying. I think he gives them yeah. a shot. And and I really think he has an opportunity to do more than that potentially. And that that's where the question lies, right? How what is his ceiling? We know he'll be competent. We know that he can play. Uh the question is, you know, can he be better than average? Can he be can, can he be you know, that top 20 quarterback that they say he is, right? We'll, we'll see. But I, I think he's got an opportunity to do that, and he's set up to do it because of the situation that he's in. So, you know, one thing I, I would also add about Jacoby Brissett is, look, he's a backup quarterback or has been a backup quarterback, but who are the two quarterbacks that he's been a backup to? Interestingly, Tom Brady and Andrew Luck. Yeah, two <laughs> guys and knew to, think, who knew how to do it. Right, and, and I think there's such an education opportunity that he has had the last four years that I I just don't think you can sort of, uh, overlook that. I think that plays a role here. I mean, there is no better, uh, preparer uh, and and role model in that regard than Tom Brady or maybe on this side of Peyton Manning. I mean, Tom Brady is like my age. Okay. The reason (laughs) which, should tell you something. The reason he's still getting it done is not because he's throwing the ball 50 yards on a rope. Watch Tom Brady. He doesn't do that anymore. I don't know if he can do that anymore. But he understands the scheme better than anybody, as well as Bill Belichick, frankly. And he understands his opponents better than anybody. And so that's preparation. And so Jacoby Brissett is a worker, man. and And don't you know everything you heard about Andrew Luck and, and all the the work that he puts in and and the extra effort and Jacoby is the same way Frank Reich has said that Jacoby is a hard worker and a guy for whom is this is absolutely meaningful and I think he's going to respond
1: The two were really close really yes. close and 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 they wouldn't be if they weren't on the same page in terms of work ethic Andrew Luck wouldn't have time for you if you just mm. Uh, punch a clock and are here from nine to five. It just wouldn't work. That's just not how he functions. Um, and Jacoby Bissett has been on the same level. I mean, Andrew said he, he walked into the building last year coming off the shoulder, and he was really resentful and almost jealous of this guy that had his spot. Um, so it's it's interesting. It's interesting to see how much that changed last year, and, and they became really, really good friends and really close. Um, and Andrew said he's really, really excited to watch Jacoby Brissette. Sort of take this team over and, and make it his own. It's a crazy thing to hear, um, but that's where we're at. Before we wrap up, Stephen, what was your um, what was your lasting sort of um, takeaway from from Saturday night? Probably one of the more bizarre nights of your career. But um, what jumped out to you as something that was just sort of a surreal moment?
0: I, I think or wasn't it all of it? It, well, it, the, the initial shock obviously is is something I'll never forget. Just because, I mean, here we were last week writing about well, how how long is it going to take Andrew Luck to to get reacclimated when he comes back, right? I mean, yes. From this injury yeah. that that was the story last week, right? And, and is he going to play in the opener? So I mean, we we talk about a shift. We went from okay, when is he going to play? To oh my God, he's never playing again. That that certainly was one thing. But then I think just you know something we hit on earlier it, for me it was just the the sort of uh, the display of emotion from Andrew Luck was really unexpected. Uh, that was not because it wasn't warranted. Absolutely, it was warranted, and I think for most anyone, you know, you wouldn't be surprised by that. We have just never seen Andrew Luck like that, and I no. it, it's almost it's almost sad that that's going to be one of our last images of Andrew Luck. Is him standing there pouring his heart out and saying, "Guys." I never told you this, but this is what I've been going through. And, and I feel almost like, you know, should we have seen that earlier? I think we did see it. I just don't think we necessarily recognized it or paid heed. And yeah. so there's a lesson in there.
1: I I looked over halfway through the press conference and I looked at Jim Mersey and his face was red and his, his his eyes were watery and he was staring hmm. off into the distance as if he couldn't believe where he was sitting. And I just, I just said, I wonder what is going through that man's mind right now. He looked absolutely broken. He looked crushed. He said that part of our hearts are broken tonight. And, and for all the national narrative about Jim Irsay, this is a guy that gives everything he has to this franchise. And I think that people in Indiana know that and appreciate that. And it was the hardest decision of his life to cut Peyton Manning in 2012. It was the right decision to bring in this prodigy and, and Andrew mentioned it. Look, he said, you never made me feel like I had to be Peyton and that's harder to do than it sounds. And Jim Mercer deserves a lot of credit for that. And so does this entire building. And through the solar surgery and through the criticisms Jim Mercer received, both uh, merited and not merited, um, he had this kid's back and, and that was never lost on Andrew Luck. And he mentioned that very emphatically on Saturday night. And I just thought to myself, Jim Irsay is going to have a hard time with this for months because mm. his franchise quarterback didn't make it to see his 30th birthday, didn't make it to see his seventh year in the league. And, and like you said, Tom Brady's playing at a really high level at 42. And, and Jim Irsay always talked about those multiple Super Bowls he wanted with, with Andrew Luck. Not one, multiple. Um, and he's not going to get those, and that's going to crush him. And, and Andrew Luck spent half of his career in the training room and I wrote yesterday that the Colts bear responsibility in that, the way this was handled early in his career, because the cost and the toll it took on him um, were felt Saturday night. And I looked at Jim Mercer and I just thought to myself, this might be one of the hardest things he's ever had to go through in football because he really loves that kid. And
0: this is just not how it was supposed to end. No question about it. And, you know, I would just add one very quick thing to that uh to, to put a bow on it i want to be clear about this jim mersey loves andrew luck and andrew luck loves jim mersey and and i mean i don't use that word love lightly i mean that word yeah. the way it's intended to be meant and and i think that is very very real now you know Any people say other a lot report of things.
1: is is not accurate those two yeah.
0: are very close be be you know make no mistake uh when you see them interact when you see them, you know at a moment when they think no one's watching, okay, because we're always watching. Let's be honest, right? <laughs> right? But but even but away from the cameras, you know, when 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 we put the microphones down and the cameras get turned off, we're still watching and we observe because that's part of our jobs. And and I've seen it. Okay, there is a genuine genuine kinship there, and, and I think that speaks to you know the invest the 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 emotion that. That Jamersay has poured into Andrew Luck, right, and and it also was reciprocated by Andrew Luck by putting everything on the line for for Jamersay's team, and I think Jamersay loves him yeah. for it.
1: Yeah. And playing through what he played through for years, year after year, season after season, the ribs, the kidney, the shoulder, the ankle, the calf. He had a bad thumb. He had a concussion. Think about the things they do, like play f- through for this team, for that owner, for this city. Um, yeah, this is this is, a, this is a tough time for Jim Irsay. There's no other way to cut it.
0: Let's hope that one day uh, – we can only hope, I guess, that Jim Irsay has a franchise quarterback who can depart Indianapolis the way you'd prefer, right? Let's be honest. The two last quarterbacks, yeah. it did not end the way anyone envisioned. And it's, who it's thought? a little bit sad. It's a little bit sad. Andrew,
1: Peyton Manning wanted to stay. And and they released him, and Andrew Luck didn't get the chance to, really. I mean, the pain robbed him of his love for the game, and it's just been another heartbreaking end to a quarterback's career in Indianapolis. There's no
0: other way to put it. Yeah. So, Anyway, folks, uh, as you can imagine, it's been a busy week. Uh, We've got more work to do. Uh, We're going to make our way out of here. But uh, I hope you've enjoyed today's podcast. Uh, This is our first of hopefully many more to come. Uh, we're going to do these weekly. W- look, I think this season is going to be as interesting as any we've seen, uh, despite what has happened. Uh, if you thought last year was fun, I-, I think this year could be similar because we we have no idea what's going to happen. And I-, I know you're disappointed, but I'm just, ter- I'm just here to tell you. I'm not a cheerleader. I'm just here to tell you. I think the intrigue is as high as ever with this team right now. So I would stay tuned. I would absolutely stay tuned. Uh, any party words, Zach, before we take off? No.
1: Craziest weekend I've ever had. Without a doubt. Uh, and I covered Brad Stevens' stunning exit from Butler to yeah. Boston Celtics, and, and we covered the Josh McDaniels thing. And those were so, those were two moments that was like, oh, my gosh, what just happened? This is a different level. Um, but I think we've put a lot of good work out there in terms of what's happened, and we've got a lot more coming.
0: Yeah, so thanks, for you. thanks to you guys for reading, for subscribing. Uh, we couldn't do it without you. Uh, we're looking forward to doing this, uh, like I said, many more times with you in the coming weeks. So stay tuned for that. Uh, but for now, I'm Skinning Holder with Zach Keeper, and this is 1%. All right. How's that? Awesome. Thanks, Kent. So, do, do you need?